right, well, welcome back to the Blue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> Check us out on Twitter at BK Glue Guys, uh, NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller. Everywhere you get your Nets pod, the Glue Guys, we're there. Brian. Like that uh, harmony that we just. Yeah, those, those impromptu. Ready? Soundscape. Three, two, one. The Nets are. The Nets. <laughs> this is so much fun. So obviously Brian's on Skype and I'm in my uh, studio, my dojo. In his loft. My, my loft, my Chelsea loft. And yeah. uh, so this is, uh, we motivated this team to win, I think. I think we get the credit for this. It's safe to say. I mean, it's that can't be a coincidence, Mike. Uh, we did tweet out from the BK Glue Guys account, follow it if you can, that we would not pod until the Nets win. And the Nets ones they wonsed last night against the 76ers, the hated 76ers, the I-95 rivalry 76ers, Brian. Dude, I'm, I'm out of it. I partied. I popped bottles after that. <laughs> it looks like it. It looks <laughs> like it. Um, dude, dude, I had to wake up. <laughs> I had to wake up at 630 this morning um, to move an air conditioner to the street because we scheduled oh, with God. 311 for a pickup. And if I look out my window, guess what I can still see? Your <laughs> air conditioner. Goddamn What time was the scheduling? It's, what time was? Uh, did it you was, promise? Uh, they said they sent me an alert at six thirty. Put your air conditioner out, or an email, not an alert. At six thirty in the morning. That's what they're saying. Like, yeah, we're like, because you have to schedule it, and then they. I knew that it was going to be today at some point, but I didn't know what time, and then they. <laughs> <laughs> but but now it's just sitting there. So what? Ha- so I don't know anything about. So three one one. You schedule. You could if you don't like. Yeah, have a big like um, electronics type electronic thing. You have to schedule a pickup for it in advance. Um, it's not hard. It's pretty convenient. But it's also it doesn't happen when you do do it. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> nothing. Nothing matters, Mike. <laughs> Well, and, and someone's just going to come by. You know someone's going to come by and steal that thing from you. I really hope they do. I think that that's what they're just counting on, you know? I think that's that's ultimately, they're just like, yeah, some someone will steal that. I probably shouldn't admit this, but like, so the wife and I got a new couch a couple of years ago. You've seen our new couch, and you've been on our old couch. And when we deposited our old couch, we just put it outside. And then it was mm-hmm. gone. Within 24 hours, it was gone. Not by that's garbage right. men, by the mysterious street elves that steal <laughs> furniture. Street um, names, baby. So there we go. The Nets are back, Brian. Big Heck W. Of game. Heck of a game. Jaleel Okafor's vengeance game. <laughs> he really put a stamp on that. You know what I liked is that the Nets didn't overplay him or underplay him. They played him like the exact amount of minutes he usually gets. As if like teaching him almost at like, you know, we're going to be bigger than revenge games here. It was more than Nick Stauskas' revenge game. That's what it. That's what it was. <laughs> Stauskas, yeah. I'm still, I'm still blown away. Like every time I think about Stauskas being on this team, and thinking about like what the Nets could get at the trade deadline, the fact that the Kings gave up, the Kings traded him, and then what, like two first round picks or something, just to get rid of some a couple of contracts to get to the Sixers, and now mm. he's just on the Nets. Um, he's not playing particularly well at the moment, but that's all fine. But the Nets are playing well, Brian. Um, well, they played well last night. Let's not forget, there's a, a bit of a skid here, Mike, that, that kind of prevented us from getting too excited to even pod. Yeah, no, we've been wanting to pod, but uh, it's tough when... So, like, this Knicks thing, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but... Somebody... Uh, I mean, we could just, like, pepper in some emails, too. Uh, Mike's going to take the reins for the John Cena drop and and announcements. <laughs> the problem I is I don't do, know the names. Just do one. Just do one. Oh, right, wait. Give um, me the name of the first person. <laughs> um, Louis Torres. 
All right, one sec. How do you do this? You say, cheer you boy. Gotta, you got to roll those. Uh, Louis Torres. What are the what are the odds you can't roll your R's? Louis you Torres. Any. Yeah, no, you know you know that it's not uh, in my background. Let's just call it that. It's not um, in my background. I couldn't hear. Did you play the John Cena drop? It's fine if you didn't. Yeah, I did. Yeah, everyone's gonna love that on the pod. Um, and Louis, thanks for hitting us up, your boy at uh, netspot at gmail.com. Thanks for everybody who was hitting us up. Um, he says, "Why do we suck against the Knicks?" This will be a quick one. Um, well, uh, I mean, it's easy enough to just say that. This team is confounded by dynamic sto- scoring big man. And like Porzingis, you know, had a normal game or whatever. Um, I think I recall. I, I kind of like emotionally and physically went out of body and checked out on that um, experience. Um, but here's the thing: when you watch them play, any any team, especially with a, like especially a Porzingis style player, um, <clears throat> the amount of focus that we give to that player uh, from our defense is pretty crazy. Um, and we just have to. Everyone's constantly looking over their back to see whether they should be double teaming him now or not or whatever. It's just it's just a giant mind screwing effect. Well, and it's like the Enos Cancer thing too. It's that not only do they have Porzingis, they also have that big man that will always beat the Nets, the Greg Monroe Enos yeah. Cancer class, just like the classic scoring big. Well, it's like we're playing, um, like we're trying to replicate the sort of like whatever the the space and pace, the the Golden State Warriors, but like a, a very miniature version of it. And Golden State Warriors, kind of, <clears throat> I mean, everyone kind of remembers that they used to have trouble against like the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and imagine a Golden State Warriors that like isn't good. So just imagine how many problems, <laughs> how many problems those um, you know big men zagging when everyone's zigging uh, type type teams. Uh, give give for people like us, for teams like us. Well, and God, like I'm, place, God, my brain is just fried. I've been up too late. So, and even like so, last night, last night was obviously a win from on multiple fronts. One, we got uh, D'Angelo Russell's first game where we're like, oh yeah, he is good at basketball. Like I think we had forgotten he was good at basketball when he scored twenty two in seventeen minutes. He even had like five rebounds and three assists in seventeen minutes, which is as impressive as scoring 13 po- 17 points and then having the three assists. Um, but then talking about, like, the big man. So Jared Allen had, you know, possibly his biggest test he's had as a pro and going against Embiid, going against him as a starter, going against him in the entire night. Um, personally, from my point of view, it's interesting because it's one of those situations where if you looked at Embiid's box score and, like, he was awesome, I forget, I think he scored, like, 29 points – and you'd be like, wow, he must have wrecked Jared Allen. And, like, physically, he probably destroyed Jared Allen. But I, what I saw out of Jared Allen was something that is impressive because he kept trying to fight Embiid for position, kept trying to stop him from going the hole. He wasn't successful because Embiid probably has, what, 30 pounds on him? Something like mm-hmm. that, at least. Um, but it was – Jared Allen is, like, elevating every three weeks. I think he goes up like a peg. He, he's got a move now too. He's even got a little move that like that little dip spin uh, hook shot thing, baby hook. Which that, I, that thing yeah. uh, did, did not see that coming, right? Like I yeah, thought he, he was did, only like going to be a dunker. This week. And and he, so he had three of those moves in that game, like three different little baby moves that show you that like. So ultimately, if he is just a guy who can dunk an alley oop and then block shots, you know what? At the twenty-two pick overall, that's a win. 
But if he also can give you that little juice, that little extra offense that you're not expecting from him, um, that's yeah, just I mean, like super handy. A, a move that if you're guarded within six feet that you can shoot over a guy, that's you know, that's huge, hugely valuable. You can you can build a career off that alone. What do you think of Allen's effort against Embiid last night? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't you lob those softballs at me? Um, yeah, I was, <laughs> I was impressed. We usually don't do that, by the way. I usually don't like to say to you, what do you think about the effort of a certain player? I was thinking about that. Like, I don't really ever like throw to you with like a basic question like that because we're just not interested in that. Are we? Um, yeah. So like, like we're saying, um, his energy level was off the charts. Uh, sports talk 2020. Um, no, yeah, they just <laughs> that's yeah, that's the year, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's, no, what you're, that's what you're going for. Yeah. Uh, by the way, do you watch Black Mirror? This is so lame that I'm asking. You know, what? This. I know, I know that I want to, and I've seen that first episode from season one, which was like a real work of art. Like I loved it, um, but I just don't. I just haven't. I don't watch TV enough, or what? I don't know why. I want to. I just, I just don't. You're, you're deep into the podcast verse. That's your. And I'm in. Yes, I'm on my grind right now, but I uh, want. To. I've only watched the first episode of the most recent season, but it's highly recommended. You'll you'll dig it. I know. I massively. know that I would love it. I like it. I like what I've seen. Yeah, it's one of those things. I'll just get to it five years late. That's what always happens. You know what? I also liked what I saw, Brian. What's that? The Nets win last night. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you watch? Um, I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but did you watch the the thing in the beginning with the charity gaff? Um, from last night, this was sort of a maximum over cringe moment. Um, oh no, I didn't see this because I can't. I came in late to the game. What happened? I mean, I, I'll digging. fly through this, but I my skin flew off my body, um, and I was <laughs> astrally astrally projected onto my ceiling. Um, so so uh, Brett Yormack comes out and he has this like uh, an usher who's been with the. She's worked at Barclays since like day one or whatever, uh, and she's like a cancer survivor, and it's all those things, and um, she's done a great job. And he's like, um, and because of that, we would like to give you ten thousand dollars so that you can donate it to the charity of your choice. What? <laughs> I know, oh, dude, it was brutal. I kind of died. Just we, give we, her ten thousand dollars. Yeah, I or see. Like match something. I don't know. Um, but anyways, like when it happened, the the like audible like. Um, there's a post the on netsdaily.com cr- about this, by the way. The audible that. cringe. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh um, gosh. The audible cringe in the audience was like it's. It was. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was quite a thing. It was quite a thing. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it hurts my soul. But yeah. Um. Did you have you also seen the new uh, Nets on Yes promos? Uh, I don't think I have. Oh, they are. They're a work of art. I mean, they're like, like legitimately <laughs> they're funny because what they're essentially doing so maybe because i get different feed because i get the the fox sports go feed so i don't know if there's like different ads on that because it's an internet feed that i'm watching but it's like a promo promoting the talent of yes network and it's about a minute and a half i think and it's just ian eagle and sarah kusak and those people like talking about their it's really it's a delight it's a real delight it's a lot I'm of Iron Eagle, and it's fantastic. A lot of Jim Spinarkle, fantastic. It's worth. Doing I'll have it. to tune in. Um, want to get? Want me to get to the next question? Yes, please. 
by the way, so I, here's my here's how I wanted to segue this, and then I just didn't. Um, uh, a player who might have helped us against the Knicks, a guy named Brooke Lopez, having a not-so-great season. More on that is your boy Matt Parker. Um, we're not going to do the John Cena fiasco. I'm sorry, everybody. It's Skype. What, what can we do? But a uh, friend of the show, Matt Parker, <clears throat> um, there was an article on ESPN that he links to uh, about Brooke Lopez's existential sadness oh, that yeah. he's enduring right now. Yes. Um which sounds sad. Um, so what do you think the odds, what do you think are the odds that he gets bought out so he can contribute to a contender this year or just a playoff team or slightly a uh, uh, slightly crazy idea, Lopez for Cousins? So I saw the Lopez for Cousins thing in his email. And, well, like, here's the, here's the thing. I think ultimately the Pelicans are still motivated to re-sign Cousins because they know if they don't, Anthony Davis will be mad. Anthony Davis will look at the situation and be like, we were really vibing uh, before Cousins went down. And then if you just were to trade him, I think that would make him angry. Uh, I do like, just from like a pure basketball sense, though, I love the idea. I mean, Brooke is a perfect center to pair with Anthony Davis. Uh, He can just stand out basically by the three-point line and wait for Anthony Davis to do Anthony Davis things and then just shoot threes like he did on the Nets last year. Mm-hmm. salaries line up it would as matt laid out there it would uh get you out of the salary hell that the pelicans are about to enter into by paying a max contract to boogie holiday and anthony davis but unlikely to happen so like what's interesting is what will happen to brooke after the trade deadline this year because he's probably not going to get traded could be bought out or what like what's the next step in brooke's career because I think Brooke is averaging 20 minutes a game with a bad Lakers team. He's not playing well. We're and and obviously so, and as you mentioned, Brooke is coming back to Brooklyn. What tomorrow night is the game? Um, yeah. What what where is like is Brooke done in your head in terms of being what he was last year, or is he just in a bad situation? Um, I think this might be one of those kind of persistent bad situations. It's one of the things like when you get traded to that other team and then the game falls off a cliff and you don't know how, because here's the thing with Brooke. It's like, he's playing, unfortunately, an outdated version of basketball. We've talked about that, you know, a lot over the years. Um, he's, his game is not in vogue and it doesn't appear to be going to be back in vogue for a little while. So he'll be, you know, a lesser option on a good team. That's, and that's a good future for him. Um, but to be back to being the 20-point like primary scorer, I just don't see that happening anymore. And I can see him going in like three different directions after getting off this Lakers team. Like It could be that he goes and just cashes in for more money, which is, which is fine. A lot of players do that. Like He goes to whatever teams miss out on DeMarcus Cousins, even though his market's going to be weird. Whoever misses out on Paul George, LeBron, blah, blah, blah. I think people are going to kind of start reaching for players like Brooke and being like, well, maybe we can get him for 15 a year for three years, pay him a good – that's a good amount of money, but not too much, and he can add a lot to his team. Or he can – we've talked about this. He could literally just be like, I just want to win a bunch of basketball games. I'm going to go to the Warriors and you know, play 18 minutes a game, but those 18 minutes I'm going to be shooting threes with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and I'm going to be dominating down low. Um, that's the most interesting avenue for him to walk down. What do you think? Uh, his first question: Do you think the chances are he gets bought out? I so like it's interesting because what's the motivation for the Lakers to buy him out? The only motivation would be just that they don't want him around and they could save money. So Brooke would have to lose money in that transaction. 
Um, it seems likely. I mean, we so news came out that Greg Monroe got bought out. Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of a interesting piece that's just going to be dropped in. A lot of people are saying he, he's going to go to the Celtics, which is scary if you're another team in the East um, that they could get him. I would rather have Brooke Lopez still than Greg Monroe. I think at this <laughs> point, um, ultimately, like it all depends on how much money Brooks willing to lose. The Lakers are only going to do it if they can save whatever amount of money you save by letting these guys go when you do. Um, but it's it, – he's like – he's always in his career he's underrated, and he's the undercover sort of piece that could cha- – you know how much like we we obsessed over where Andrew Bogut was going to go for multiple seasons after he would get <laughs> yes. Like, isn't Brooke better than Andrew Bogut at, this, at the points in their career when those things were happening? Because like just last season, Brooke was – a sub all-star and he just wasn't an all-star because he was on a bad team without a point guard at that point. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what happens after the trade line. Cause he's not going to get traded if he does get bought out. And if he doesn't get bought out, what happens in free agency? And we've sort of talked about, I don't think he's, I don't know if he's going to make a return to Brooklyn. Um, I just hope he yeah. doesn't go to the Knicks. Uh, which mm. would make me upset. Um, that reminds me. I also wanted to reach out Matt Parker about uh, uh, some some game some game theory stuff. Uh, recently in the convert, like I've been following the Nets daily comment section. There's been some arguments about. Um, I guess here's how to here's how to frame the debate. Um, because of the <clears throat> whole like Nets aren't getting calls thing, there's a contingent of people being like, you can point to uh, this call at the end of the game and say we lost the game because of this call. And then there's the counter argument, which is you have to evaluate, evaluate the entire game, right? And see how many missed calls there were throughout the entirety of the thing. And only by doing that, can you arrive at like the conclusion that, you know, one team was favored over another. And like, I would say both of those are true. And it seems like the first version of that argument is kind of reductive. Like, yeah, we lost the game because of, this uh you know this bad call at the end of the game um and that seems like a a little too too obvious but i think there is some kind of argument to be made there um because like and and matt you you can correct me on this i'm thinking you're probably more um matt's a a game bro he knows games mike um game expert big time game expert more than a bro uh And uh, anyway, so like as you get closer to a win state, things get evaluated, you, you know, differently. Anyways, it's just a thing that I'm thinking about and I want to get a, a, an expert opinion anyways. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. Next up, um, this is <laughs> I wanted to pepper this one in here uh, because I thought it was funny. This is your boy Trey G. Um, and Trey G says, and I quote, this is as it appears, the best shooting guard the Nets have. Or the number one shooting guard the Nets have? Question mark. Max him or pay him the max? Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like we just got an email from like Yoda or something. Um, So, anyways, that's about (laughs) Joe Harris. Yeah, yeah. I just like. I just sometimes like those. Um, I want people to to see them. Anyways, next up is uh, Cheerboy Sean Pinto. Um, thanks for hitting us up, Sean. Um, hey guys, do you agree? Top three overall nets moving forward: Russell, Allen, Levert. Um, by the way, these are the three guys Marks went uh, after. Went after once he got here. I also think Marks goes after another number uh, first round pick. 
sorry for the upcoming draft and trade. My head says he might use RHJ to get the pick, but my heart hopes it isn't him. Um, so yeah, this is the uh, this is I think the the best version of that question is who's on the team in four years when we're trying to actually be good, right? Um, and I think those three guys are probably good choices. Um, I I do think that Rondé Hollis Jefferson's fit is inexact, and so it's likely that he if if any of them you know would be the guy to leverage for a trade. But um, yeah, I think I agree on all points. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, so if we're going to do four, the guys who are going to be on the team in four years, D'Angelo, Levert, and Allen make the most sense. As you said, Allen makes sense because his contract, I think, will just have been running out or will be at the end of its run as a rookie contract. Um, Levert, they are protective over Levert. Um, obviously, it seems like a lot of people, like he gets mentioned a lot in sort of sub things, like weird mentions about trade deals with the Nets that aren't coming from the Nets side. So it seems like Levert is protected in that way. And, of course, D'Angelo is the baby, the the golden goose that is going to r- rise us up from the ashes and take us to the promised land. Um, th- so there's like an interesting – did you see the New York Post was reporting that the Knicks were calling about Rondé Hollis Jefferson? I did, yeah. Um, which is always weird when – obviously that's not an out-of-town media source, but they do not have – it was not Brian Lewis. It was Kerber. <laughs> I think Mm -hmm. the Knicks guy who was talking about that, I don't know. We need to take our temperature on what we would feel like about a Rondé deal. Like, like, do we want that to happen? Do we think it's going to happen? I don't think it will because I just don't think there's enough teams interested in what he does. Um, Ultimately, like, if he goes to a team, he would be a bench player, right? Yeah, I think he's, like, in a a unique position because, um, like – It's kind of I'm still sort of in the can I can I trust what I'm seeing phase of of the Ronda Hell Jefferson experience, you know? Like I think that that's probably still like everyone is kind of waiting to get a larger um body of work here to to really kind of derive what his value should be because like <laughs> like like we're saying like it's still it sort of boggles the mind to think that like the shots are still falling, everything's kind of still like working. Right. And, it's it's a little bit like um, okay when is the regression to the mean going to happen? Um, so I think like no matter what you'll always be selling low on a guy like Rondé Hollis Jefferson like and, and it's a and that's more like a visual kind of <laughs> like prejudice for for a guy who just like plays like he does you know and all, all so he's like maybe worth a second round pick in all likelihood that's how much he's worth and he's worth more on the current roster for the Nets right now in terms of his production than getting a second round pick. I Statistically, mean, yeah, he's like way he's way more than that too. And it's and it's just I think I think it's just hard to convince a a buyer that like you're definitely going to get the same exact thing, you know, every team. You know, ultimately I think I say ultimately a lot, but I do believe that his progression from last season to this season is massive. And you're talking, you know, we talk about, as you said, can you believe it? Like, is this going to last? Is this weird jump shot going to keep going in? And I wonder whether the Nets believe, if he's shown something in practice, to suggest that maybe that progression will eventually lead him out to the three point line. Because I think that progression will come after his next contract, just from the pace that he has progressed already. So, what I'm hoping is he doesn't show a three point shot at all. 
the Nets re-sign him for a reasonable amount of money because not many teams want a guy who only can really guard threes and twos, but not big fours, and who can't shoot threes. So there's like a small market for that. And then the dream is that he can shoot threes, let's say, two seasons from now in the first year of his contract. And people are like, wow, what look what the Nets got. They have a really athletic player who can score mid-range and from three and defend wing guys. But, you know, I don't think yeah. – I don't. I just don't see his – the only way Rondé is in a deal is if he's in a deal for some with someone else. If it's randomly Joe Harris and Rondé for an unprotected one, you know, sort of that kind of machination. By the way, trade deadline is coming up in a week. Um, and, wow. you know, I've been feeling – there's been a bubbling sense in the back of my head that this team is going to do something crazy. <clears throat> that there's. Would you like me to? Oh, yes. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, do you, no. I mean, do you want me to segue into a perfect email, or is Please that seg. Not Please seg. Yes. Here comes the big seg. Um, next up is <laughs> cheer boy Jake Gould. Um, hey guys, recently discovered your pod and love every second of it. Loving every second of your email thus far, Jake. Um, Zeller's. Benching tonight essentially confirms that he will be traded soon. Now we all agree that Zeller and Harris will be traded, but for what? Our most obvious need is a stretch for us, so what are we getting for Zeller and Harris? Thanks, Jake Gould. Um, thank you, uh, and everybody else. It hits, up, uh, hits us up at netspot.gmail.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Is that do, do you Has he correctly diagnosed the situation? Uh Sorry, I was reading an email. <laughs> no. um, he's saying Zeller and Harris are are the obvious guys to yes. to go, um, especially because Zeller got a DNP against the Knicks. Um, so, um, which I find is interesting because my pet theory is that they've been playing Zeller as much as they have because they want to get his value up before the trade deadline. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, they played him last night against the Sixers a, and he had a little a, bit. A corner three, which I always <laughs> love, always fantastic, because he usually shoots him on camera side. So you see his big, lanky body shooting uh, no. an awkward three, and then it goes in. Very exciting. Um, always, always gets the crowd going. I think, okay, it's so hard, Brian. It is so hard to be. This Joe Harris debate is super tough because I think he. You know, we talk about him as such an asset and, uh, you know, what he could possibly get for them. But wouldn't you want him on the team if he was only worth $6 million a year? Let's say that was the price. Six or $7 million a year, I think I would ultimately want him to be on this team. But if you package him with Zeller, you get Zeller, maybe Zeller's some picks. Zeller's having a, a, a very respectable year in his own right. I wonder what uh, the market is for him just by himself. I think Zeller is... He's, so on a, with, he's on a great contract. I think he's like a guy that you could flip ultimately for ultimately. Uh, you could flip for um, sort of an end of the end of the bench young guy who has some interest, but not not like a Stanley Johnson type. I'm thinking someone who has shown something a little bit before, but doesn't really get that many minutes on a good team, and can be flipped to the Nets, and the Nets can develop them, and then that team, hypothetically some kind of playoff team, would get Zeller. Because, okay, so everyone knows I'm a Wizards fan. I look at Zeller. They're paying Ian Mahimney $16 million a year for the next three seasons. Each season, $16 million a year. Regardless it's, of contract. It's Jan. Jan Mahimney. Ian Mahimney. 
regardless of contract, I'd rather have Zeller as my backup center. And I think you look around the NBA, you'd rather have Zeller as your backup center than like, I don't know, 60% of the backup centers in the NBA. Um, and that's, hmm. that's why the Joe Harris-Zeller thing is so appealing, right? Because you give you are supplying a bench. You are importing a bench into a team and saying, here's a, here's a shooter semi-ball handler, and then here's a backup center who won't embarrass you and that can put the ball in the basket slightly. His, um, his like, skill distribution is so hilariously consistent. He's, like, the, the most default center in, in, yeah. in all of basketball, perhaps. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, what are <clears throat> what are other backup centers like? like? I'm just thinking, like, Bismack Biombo. Like who, like, who out there would I want over Tyler Zeller? Like, not many. Like, it's just a guy that doesn't mess up, that can, you know, make decent decisions, w- will never light the world on fire, but, like, you know, doesn't, doesn't uh, burn you ever. And I feel like if we looked into his stats, his defensive stats probably aren't great. He just not. he seems like the kind of center uh, as watching him that he does confront a guy as he's going to the hoop, but that guy's not that intimidated by the confrontation. But you know what he is though? He's not the guy who was like, "Hey, it's Tyler Zeller. Somebody kick it down low." It's just Tyler Zeller guarding him. Like he, right, he doesn't have that. <laughs> yes, and th- that is which is sort of what happened to Jared Allen against Embiid right. last night. Again, love what Jared Allen did. Uh, I love the effort in the fight, but yep. and so th- and this was one of the first times where I was definitely like, oh yeah, Jaron Allen needs to get bigger. I- I'm I'm not a guy who like believes like that guys need to bulk up. That bulking up in the NBA matters as much, but against someone like Embiid, he's gonna have to. He's not, there's nothing he can do when he when the weight distribution is that different. But um, you don't he, like him. You don't like him bulky. No, I just think it's so overrated in basketball. Now in basketball, I mean, even LeBron James is, like, super skinny. Um, guys are just skinnier now. Back in the day when there was Shaq and then Shaq clones, it mattered to be big. Robert Tractor Trailer mattered to be big. Those guys don't <laughs> exist anymore. They just don't you exist think, in the league. You think Robert Tractor Trailer wanted to be that big? You think that was a choice? He seemed happy. He seemed happy in that, in, in that size range. Um, I'm not sure. Barkley. I'm not sure about that. Um but maybe, maybe. Um, next up, cheer boy, Ronald Kaplan. Um, Ron from East Brunswick. Cheer boy. Um, thanks for hitting us up, Ron. Um, starting to see... Uh, I'm starting to really see why Okafor and Russell are on their second teams at the age of 21. Stats aside, they are just not winning ball players, and neither seems to play real hard. Team needs wow. to build around Dinwiddie as the leader of this team. Wow. But is there any chance of bringing in a legit power forward in free agency? Ron. Throwing it down, Ron. Um, I love a hot take. Um, <clears throat> we, we've kind of um, sort of conspicuously not spoken a lot about Okafor lately on the show, Mike. Um, and I wonder why that is. What are you hiding? Well, I mean, he... I, I'm not. I we we love per thirty six here. His per thirty six in January is something like fifteen and nine. I do mm-hmm. want to say, uh, and part of that January run was like him not still playing that much. You know, he played like seven minutes a game, eight minutes a game, nine minutes a game. Not not nearly that much. I'm, do you think? Do you think they should call the per thirty six the the Jeremy Lin stat from now on? Can we just call that? Because <laughs> Jeremy Lin's basically Steph Curry. If you just if you per thirty six him out. 
hey, Jeremy Lin fans out there, don't hate us. We're just we're just messing around. By the way, dude, what's up with Jeremy Lin? He's he's been like exiled to Siberia or something. Is he? Is there beef or what's up? I don't think he's been exiled. He's willingly seems to he's exiled himself. Yeah, he's. If you don't know, like Jeremy Lin is basically not really with the team at this point. He's not around the team at all. Um, I don't know what to dig into that because okay, so there's always a weird thing where if guys don't train with the training staff, the team sponsored training staff. No matter what, no matter what the team says, the team sponsored training staff does not like that. They don't like not controlling that process, and they are not controlling seemingly the process with Jeremy Lin. Um, Jeremy Lin, I follow him on Instagram, very active on Instagram. He still gives out Nets love, still gives out Nets love to D'Angelo and Karis LeVert. Still see that all the time. But but it's not like Gordon Hayward style involvement and love, you know. Yes, it's like if we're looking at parallels there. You know, Gordon Hayward, you know, they're both playing League of Legends against each other, but Gordon Hayward's, like, using a, a shamrock mouse, basically. You know, he's <laughs> he's all about it. And and so and when Jeremy Lin got hurt last year, he was on the bench for all the games last year, right? I mean, I remember him being a presence on this team. When we had Dinwiddie on last season, he talked about how him and Jeremy, like, talk all the time on the bench. It was obvious that you could see him and Spencer Dinwiddie talk all the time. You don't see Jeremy Lin at all anymore. He's just not there. Um, so what do we read into that, Brian? What, what do you pull out of that? Um, he is, there is drama. I'm just going to say, I think there's drama. I don't know what it is, but you know, I have a sixth sense for this kind of stuff. <clears throat> My third eye is telling me there's beef somewhere. Can I be honest? Can I be real, real yeah. with you for a second? I hope there is. And I hope there's mm-hmm. enough of it that Jeremy Lin opts out of his contract. Wow. Because if they, you know, it's not that his contract's bad. $12 million next year for a healthy Jeremy Lin would be nice. Uh, expiring contract, you know, they could obviously flip Jeremy Lin if he is healthy and good for a first-round pick. They would have been able to do that this year. Definitely to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They could have, they could have the Cleveland Cavaliers pick right now if Jeremy Lin was healthy for the entire season. Because that's the perfect player for them. But, um, yeah. I would the fact that he is coming back from injury and he's going to come back to a team that has D'Angelo, Karis LeVert, and Dinwiddie if all things hold as they are right now. You know, I'd rather that $12 million be spent for a stretch four or spent, you know, that would that $12 million off their books gets them much closer to making a competitive offer for Aaron Gordon, uh, which I'm kind of obsessed with. I'm kind of obsessed with Aaron Gordon being on this team next season. And it's, it won't happen because I think the Magic can match whatever. But mm. I hope, you know, I don't want drama. I love harmony. You know me. I'm a child no. of divorce, Brian. I don't want any drama. You know, I want everyone no, to be That's why you're, you're, you're born of the chaos. You, you live for chaos. <laughs> I, um, I'm Bane, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so we were supposed to talk about Okafor and Russell there. And we just talked oh, about German instead. Yeah, that's called smart producing, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what have you seen, what have you seen from Okafor or Russell? Are they losers? They're they're um I mean I don't know if I so I I mean the Okafor thing is is interesting. Russell for me I think he's getting his mojo back slowly. If you look at the sort of timelines, it is kind. Of, I mean if we if this season is and it is kind of a bit of a a bit of a throwaway right, and we're building a sort of soap opera <clears throat> narrative for for the thing. 
D'Angelo Russell playing now in, and having uh, Levert and, and Ronda Hall's Jefferson on the bench so that he has to be a little bit more he- of a hero. It kind of all works so that, like, maybe by, you know, March, everyone's really clicking and we have that, you know, obnoxious, successful March and April that everyone points to and gets excited about for next year. Right. The um, 500 April or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And that's um, – and we still have that to look forward to, everybody. Um, but <laughs> – but the Okafor situation, um, I don't know. I don't know what I think about it. He's. It seems like a guy who is trying his darndest to change his game pretty fundamentally, right? And that's good. That's what yes. you want to see. So I can't, I can't hold a grudge against him for doing that, and that it's not like perfect overnight. You know, that's. That's how these things go. Um, so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that his head is in the right place and that he's doing, you know, the the really it's I think this is probably like a really challenging thing. It'd have to be for a professional basketball player. I've been doing it this way. It's gotten me to this status, you know, in in this in this world. And now I have to pretty significantly subvert all of those things that I've learned and done for many years that have gotten me this amount of success and do it differently. It's, it shows like a, a lot of maturity. And, uh, it's, so it's really, I, I like, and I know that you're talking about like his motor and all that stuff, but, um, I'm going to like hold off on, on making too many judgments about a guy who's, who's really kind of like, uh, make, making some very serious adjustments to how he plays basketball. Yeah, and I think we, we asked Sarah Kustak about that on the last pod. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Big listenership. The biggest possible listenership. We really appreciate it. Um, One million listeners. Yeah, a million billions. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, ultimately, I'm in a place with Jaleel Okafor that anything positive is good, and I don't really care about anything else because we've already seen that he's not – uh, revolutionary. He's not changing the timeline of this team, right? He's not coming in and he's like this found gem and everyone's like, wow. Like with Victor Oladipo and the Pacers, right? He immediately started playing with the Pacers. The start of the season was amazing. And everyone's like, wow, what a big deal this was. Chris Dunn with the Bulls, okay? He's been pretty fantastic of recent and that's kind of changed the trajectory of that team. Okafor was never going to be that for the Nets and is not that with the Nets. I'm happy with what I'm seeing. He's scoring enough points. He, he has maintained his scoring chops. The big fear for me with him was that he was going to be a broken soldier out there and would not be able to score the points that he used to score. As long as he's scoring eight points a game by playing 16 minutes a game or whatever he's playing, I am very happy. And know what this is leading to is that the Nets will probably resign him for a minimal amount of money next season, and he'll continue to progress and a be of value to this team going forward. Um, I don't think he's a loser. I just I think, as you said, he's trying to adapt his game to a team that is the opposite which of the way he should be playing. Like he should be on the old Memphis Grizzlies. He should be on a Lionel <laughs> Hollins team. If Lionel Hollins had Jaleel Okafor, oh my God, that guy would be getting 38 minutes a game, wouldn't he? But no, he's <laughs> he's playing for Kenny Atkinson. He's playing, competing for with Jared Allen who has more projectable talent than Okafor does. I'm ha- I'm happy with what he is doing. I know I'm not blown away. I just think also, he doesn't matter that much, frankly. He just doesn't doesn't matter. Has there been some kind of public announcement where everyone agreed to call Jaleel Okafor Jaleel? Is that a thing? I think I think Ian Eagle just 
I mean, he, I trust his pronunciations, like, you know, 100%. Yeah. It's just that he's so, like, he's obviously a fantastic broadcaster, and he so immediately was emphasizing Ja Leo without, I'm sure he's mentioned that it, the, the first time he said, he's like, this is what Ja Leo wants us to say. Um, this is what Okafor wants to say. So I'm happy with the pronunciation. I like it better. Ja Leal, give it up. Nice. Well, Mike, if you like it, we'll keep it up. Ja um, next up is Cheerboy, Sean, good friend, a good friend of the show. Um, hey, now with the Blake trade done, <clears throat> Lou Williams and DJ are on the block. Who do you think has more value, Lou Williams or Damari Carroll? Does Lou Williams' availability hurt the Carroll market, or are they different enough players where it won't matter? Um, interesting question. Um, first of all, uh, I love me some Lou Williams. Always have. Um, always will. And he's uh, he's had a heck of a season. I don't know if you've... I, I took him with the 15th overall pick in my um, uh, fantasy draft. And boy, howdy, has it paid dividends. Have you really? That was uh, prophetic of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, people were not high on him this season. Dude, you know what I would even do? I would, honestly, I mean, not in real real life, but just in fantasy life here. Can I be reals with you? Yeah, get, get in the fantasy. I would give up the Raptors pick that the Nets have right now for Lou Williams. Just because I wouldn't, what are we going to enjoy more? Two months of Lou Williams or... Four years of a back of the end first round pick that will never you, that will not you be have, good. Right? You haven't thought about this. This is this goes back into your J.R. Smith fascination. Like <laughs> yeah, you, you just this is half. I like fun basketball. Sue me. Okay. Um, it's not going to be. It's not going to be fun. That's the thing. When you're just taking <laughs> fat thirty point L's. <laughs> um, Can you imagine? Not, that's not fun. A Lou Williams type on this team. Just, just being dropped <laughs> on this like perfect little like this little incubator that Kenny Atkinson you, and Marks are creating. You know that everyone hates J.R. Smith unless he's playing with LeBron James, right? Like everyone. Yes, <laughs> and they currently hate J.R. Smith right now. What you want is the combination of LeBron James and J.R. Smith, not just J.R. Smith. Are you saying the Nets can get LeBron? Is that what you're <laughs> That's saying? What That's what I've heard. By the way, if Jeremy Lin opts out of his contract, the Nets can get LeBron. I'll just say no. Ah. Uh, no. So like. Uh, okay, so here's the obvious thing. There's only a limited amount of first-round picks available that people are going to be trading in this trade deadline. Lou Williams will consume one of those first-round picks. So Lou Williams, uh, being out there on the trade market, he is more valuable to a team than Damari Carroll is because he's an expiring contract. He's a better player. He's just going to ignite an offense immediately once he's on the team. Um, the fact that so – have you seen Tariq Evans is getting first-round pick trade buzz – Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting to me. I mean, I obviously he's been a better player this year than Damari Carroll, but I don't know. I ultimately, I think ultimately, um, the Nets have the possibility of creating a very big trade off of Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, Damari Carroll, some combination of those three players, two of them together creates a very big possibility. Um, a lot has happened in the trade market since we last spoke with injuries. So, like, the Wizards were a team that would be – Ernie Grunfeld, the GM, loves to give up first-round picks. Now they're unlikely to do so. Detroit may be more desperate, would you say, because of Blake Griffin? Um, they've already kind of pushed in all their – they don't have a first-round pick to give right now, but they've pushed in all their chips. 
the Pelicans are less desperate. So I think a lot of conversations Marks may have been having with teams have now, at least with three of them or four, are totally different. They're out the window. There's a different conversation than what they were before. Maybe more intense, less intense. Um, I'm interested to see if, if, if he's able to con anyone at the deadline to get a future asset for a guy who ultimately does not have a future with the Nets. We'll see. Hmm. I'm just reading about this um, <clears throat> Joakim Noah riffraff. Yeah, what do you think? Of, so, I don't know. Do you see that the Knicks are saying that we don't want to give up young assets or future draft picks to get rid of Noah? Yeah. Like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen here? What, what do they think? Like, so so wh- then what is the trade? Is it Mozgov? Like, so honestly, that's the only other thing that could happen. Yeah. Like, it, we just want to trade our our like team cancer for a less cancerous version of that, please. If yeah. we can. And like, <laughs> okay. So what, okay. What's Joakim Noah's contract? I mean, Mozgov bless his heart could be a pain in the butt, but he's just so happy to be parked on that bench. He could, t- <laughs> he could he's, he's not a pain in the butt. I, I follow him on Instagram. His pictures Dude, of him and his son looks happy. The most contented, uh, bench bum I've ever seen in my life. Um, okay. Here's Joakim Noah's contract. So let's break this out. Cause we've gotten questions about this before whether the Nets should flip Mozgov for uh, Joakim Noah. So Noah has, next season he's, <laughs> oh God, next season he's at 18.5, and the season after that he's at 19.3. Um, Mozgov's contract runs just as long and is not that much money. Not, I mean, it's a little bit less, but it's not that much money. Mm-hmm. I don't see how the Knicks can get out. The only way they get out of this is if, they talked to the Lakers and flip Luau Dang for Joakim Noah. That's basically it. There's there's no other option out there that makes any sense in the world. I just love the hubris of like because someone in the Knicks organization talked to Woj or whoever he talked to and said, "Yeah, I don't think Joakim Noah is right for this team anymore." But like, we don't really want to attach uh, you know Nilakina or any of our young players, and we don't want to give a first round pick. We're we're looking for a trade partner. It's like who. Who is out? It doesn't exist. Doesn't <laughs> exist, man. Stop it. Stop lying to us. Oh my God. I th- that's the one thing that's hold, that's saving my life a little bit on this because the Knicks so thoroughly beat the Nets, um, but at least they have Joakim Noah disrupting things and making things awful for them. Yeah. Yep, um, I think that's it for for the emails. Let me just give it one more quick look. Um, there's some people that left voicemails. I'm sorry we didn't uh, get to you guys. It was uh, the timing wasn't right. We'll, we'll uh, I think we'll double back. Um, we'll have another episode soon, right? All right, Mike. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm actually efforting a, a guest. I don't think it's gonna happen, but it's a big name. We'll, we'll see what I can do. I like to promise <laughs> and never deliver. That's sort of. Hey, we we deliver now and again. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you all for listening. Uh, this was The Glue Guys on NetsDaily.com, Almighty Baller. Uh, Brian. Mike. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me via Skype. It's great talking to you. Thanks for having you. me. It's always a pleasure. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye now. Thanks. Yeah, boy.